space-time, the ever-expanding frontier. These are the records of the most needlessly complicated rewatch of the Star Trek franchise ever. Its mission, to locate every second, contemplate every eon, from outside time to the Big Bang, to the 20th century, all the way to the end of all existence. To do what no sane entity has ever done before. This is the Temporal Trek Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Temporal Trek Podcast. We are in Chronodate Season 3, Episode 47 of the podcast. Yes, Episode 47. We've reached the magic number there. Ah, 47, sir. 47 minutes. I'm receiving a code 47. It is code 47, sir. Code 47. Code 47. At least 47%. 47. Seven. 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 Oh, God. Uh, but this, I think, probably is probably one of the better episodes. Uh, as always, as we are in season three, we are no longer in season two. Uh, I am joined by my co-host, who is... He's Dan. Yes. And and together we are... Dan! Insert jingle. There we go. Uh, <laughs> hello, Dan. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Dan. How are you? Not too bad. It's a dreary, dark, grey day outside. It certainly is. It's not great, um, but uh, hopefully, you know, talking about this episode will brighten our spirits oh, and everything indeed. will be fine. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, um, we've also to place it in some context here uh, at the the time of uh, us recording, uh, we've just had the royal funerals and all that yep. uh, national mourning so that's all done and dusted because yep. i like to place where the episode is i know loads of podcasts like to stay evergreen so you could watch it or listen to it at any time and be like oh yeah this is fine but i quite like considering this is called the temple joke podcast to let you know where exactly we are so we're a couple of days out from uh, the queen's funeral day yep. uh, everything is sort of returning to normal uh, i.e everything is just crap um <laughs> Mortgage rates are going up. Yes. Uh, energy bills are soaring. Yep. Uh, I now have to work seven days a week in order to be able to pay those bills. <laughs> uh, and even then, because I'm on minimum wage, that's probably not going to work. Yep. Um, so, yeah, uh, viva la revolution. Yep. Um, <laughs> speaking of which, in this episode, we have this uh, planet that's going through some political spoils. And there's like a big... There's a big story here about people being chucked out of the planet and yes. uh, no more aliens. You know, it's it's uh, this planet for only this planet's sake. Um, so it kind of feels, you know, like we're living in those times yes. that things are not going quite well enough. It's their version of Brexit, isn't it? it? Yeah, exactly. It felt like Brexit. It felt like we were in this time where there's this big instability on this planet and they just want to kick everybody out. Um just general thoughts on the episode before we get stuck in. Um, I really enjoyed this one. I think um, I enjoyed last week's and I enjoyed this one. So I felt a bit weird because this is season two and that doesn't <laughs> seem to make sense. Um, I think we have Cogenitor next time, don't we? That's it. Cogenitor's next. Which yeah. Is, um, yeah, we'll see. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it fluctuates. It fluctuates it's like a wave. I reckon it's sort of it the future for us when we're going to season three. You know, there's the accepted wisdom that it, it gets better and yeah. all this sort of thing. That actually the, it's permeating through the time sphere and it's going backwards in time. Uh, so we're starting to feel the goodness coming our way. But again, it's only in waves. Yes. So, you know, one good, one bad, one good, one bad. And we just keep going. Um, hopefully. Um, that's a fervent prayer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, this, this one, it felt like a proper return to an old school Star Trek episode. I felt like we got character work, there was enough there not necessarily everything landed with me and there are some scenes which i don't like and there are some scenes that i do like and we'll discuss that as we go um so yeah it's an uneven episode i think for me okay. in terms of what it delivers this the stuff that i love i absolutely love yep. the stuff that i'm not engaged in i'm like i'm zooming through yep. and i have to admit when we were when i was doing my second watch through on netflix i was zooming through oh. certain scenes uh, so because like nothing happens they don't talk so there's literally nothing to talk about um so we're at zero minutes and zero seconds uh for the regular listeners you know what we're doing but for anyone new starting brand new at the breach uh we do the l cars system where at the l is where we locate the time the point in time now we don't get a date for the entire episode we don't get a star log entry and it's the freaking temple trick podcast they don't give us the date or year just trying to remember we're working in a time frame here you're just not thinking fourth dimensionally right right i have a real problem with that it's uh the timey wimey thing timey what timey wimey i I'd no idea where he picks that stuff up. But we know that we're in 2153 and it must be after January because January was last week. There, there is a hint though, isn't there? Did you catch did you catch the hint? Ah. Where where um Archer says he's been my doctor for nearly two years. True, very true. So, so we can kind of get that yeah. hint. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so we started in May 2151. So if we had January last week, we're somewhere between February and May on 2153, which is still a pretty big, big gap. But yes, every two years. So, OK, I'll take that. That's good enough for me. That's as close to a timestamp as we're going to get. Um, it's uh, feeding time it and is. Flox is in the sick bay and we get another sort of vignette scene. Um, we haven't had one of these for a, a while where we just sort of just have the characters. And like you could, like if you were really mining it, maybe say, oh, it was a metaphor where you're feeding a triple to a lizard, and it's like you know the predator and the prey, and it was, and it's a it'll foreshadow everything coming in the episode. But really, the scene, it, there's no real need for it. It is just a nice little flocks and um, uh, Hoshi moment. Yes. Your your thoughts on the opening? I quite liked it. I think it was really nice to see the Doctor back actually, because I don't think we've seen him much for for a while. So mm. it was really nice to have him back. Yeah, mm. and I thought it was um, quite brave to have the Tribble. Yes. I'm surprised there wasn't at least another one. Maybe there mm -hmm. is. Maybe he's got a few, you know, but uh, yes, Tribbles. Is that, the, that must be the first mention. That's it. Chronologically of Tribbles. That, that's my note here. This is chronologically, if you're just going through it, this is the first Tribble you will ever see. Um, yeah, first Tribble we ever see. They're outlawed, very difficult to find. But they eat and they breed. Yes. So at this point in history, the tribbles can eat and breed significant, you know, in significant ways that they are an ecological menace, shall we say, to use the words of someone in the future. 
However, in about 100 years' time, we're going to come to a little short trick that will say that that is not the case. Ah, you're right. So this will also, uh, possibly this scene will affect, when we come through the Temple Trek way, when we come to the trouble with Edward, Mm. are we going to have to treat that short trick as a different timeline Ah. and that they've got a different treble? Or are we going to say that actually the one that Edward had is a different kind of treble? It's a different, you you know, evolutionary offshoot of the Tribble homeworld. So it's the one that did get off the planet because it doesn't breed that well. And actually, this is an Edward Tribble and there are normal Tribbles. Who knows? Who knows? I don't know. I'm, exactly. I'm we'll come to that. We won't have to worry about that for a little while. <laughs> but these are the things the Temple Trek brings. Um, yeah, so yeah, he feeds it to the lizard and just does it. And yes. then Hoshi does that kind of yeah. like jump back. It's like, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, it's no different from feeding, what, a live mouse to a snake or anything like that, I suppose. Yes. Yeah. It didn't really bother him at all, did it? It was very, very you know, relaxed about it. Exactly. And considering that uh, she caught that bat with her hand back in uh, a night in sickbay, and she said she worked in the forest, in the jungle, when she was working for her thing. So, you know, seeing animals eat other animals, that shouldn't have shocked her at all. But hey, there we go. Um, Flox has got a message and he looks a bit troubled mm. as we go into the credits. Um, at this point, did you feel like this episode was already going to go somewhere? I mean, we've got the title, The Breach. Yeah. Given what we're going to get, do you feel like that was a title that made sense for this? I mean, coming back from The Breach, you know, reaching out, I suppose. Yeah, but, but it doesn't know. It's, it's funny because... When I first started watching it, in fact, I watched it this morning before we did mm. this, and for a minute, I couldn't remember if this was the one that I thought it was. I thought I knew what it was, and I was right. Mm. But as I started to watch it, I thought, hang on a minute, maybe that isn't the one. Maybe <laughs> it is just they go and save the Denoblians. But of course, I thought, so yeah, it doesn't really give you a hint at all, does it? It's, mm. it's a strange title, I think. Yeah, because when I hear The Breach and when I think Star Trek, I think Warp Core. Mm. I don't know about yeah. you. You know, if you're playing your word association games here, if this is a psychology 101 of the Star Trek universe, I hear Breach. I think, right, evacuate Red Alert. And uh, Scotty says she can't take it anymore. And the ship's going to go kablooey. Um, yeah. I, I don't know what you would call it instead. You know, the chasm, the divide, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so it, it keeps the rock climbing bit, but it also keeps the, the, the real sort of character drama for the episode but it's a very unusual title like yeah i don't feel like it was giving too much away no but i kind of feel like it should serve a purpose um so it was just an unusual thing and seeing that he was troubled by this message i was wondering if it was going to go a different route yeah at this point yeah, I did. yeah. um we're at the briefing and we get uh, unusual speleothems and uh, that's the reason why the denoblians are there uh, if this is a real word, I don't know if it is. I haven't been able to, to Google it properly because I don't know the proper spelling. Uh, I should have <laughs> I, I sh- uh, turned on this closed captions to find out what the spelling was. Uh, but it kind of feels, the amount of times they say it in the episode, like someone in the writing room found out a new geology word and they thought, right, I'm just going to stick that in there just to prove that I know something about geology. Yeah, um, yeah uh, they, they talk about how they're going to rescue them, what they need to do. Travis has something to do. <laughs> he's a rock climbing expert yes forget the fact he fell off the rock climbing equipment when they were down in Risa, but he is still the expert i suppose as far as everyone's concerned um uh, now i'm a bit confused here as well did flocks ask archer 
to do this rescue operation on behalf of the Science Academy? Or did the Science Academy ask Archer directly, but Phlox has to sort of speak on their behalf? Mm. I didn't really feel like there was a, it was clear who's actually sending them on this mission. No, I think you're right, actually. I think I think um, Phlox asks, because that mm. message he gets must be what and alerts him to the problem. Mm. Mm. And he, he is very grateful to Archer, isn't he, during that scene, you know, very sort of almost personally grateful. Mm. So I think it was Phlox that did it, yeah. Because mm. the way I, was, I saw him react before the credits, it almost felt like there was a personal reason. Yeah that he was going to ask him that perhaps someone he knew or a family member or a relative in some way was on the geology team. And that's why they're going to rescue them. It turns out it's just three random denobulants, but um, I kind of felt like that was something that was missing from this episode, that there should have been a much more personal ask on behalf of flocks. Um, so it, it just didn't feel, was this an official mission or is this a personal mission? And I felt like it, it left it too vague for mm. me to really get invested in mm. that element of it um we're in the shuttle bay and uh we're reading out a list of all the stuff we have to take with us and there's a poop joke we yes. have to take out everything we bring in um malcolm is just really annoying in all of these scenes in the whole episode so like, oh, do we have to bring it all in oh, okay fair enough oh, okay then uh, uh, shut up malcolm of all the people to take with him oh he just wants to blow stuff up. Let him, <laughs> let, him, let him drill a hole all the way down to the bottom of the cave with the phaser cannon and then just you know beam them out and then they're done. That's that's all he wants to do. Um, but we also, we ramp up the tension as well as Archer comes in, says there's three days you've got to get and you've got now a ticking clock. Uh, the patrols are going to come in and they will you know arrest you on site if they find you after the deadline. And the shuttle goes down. There's this exodus, this mass exodus of other ships are leaving the planet. It's quite a nice little visual because yeah. it is, you know, it's almost a desperate, you know, fleeing from the planet. And uh, yeah, any thoughts on getting ready for the mission? You know, do you feel like you're going to be invested in going cave diving with these three? Um, yes, sort of. I mean, the thing that made me think of was, was the um, Empire Strikes Back. Mm. When they flee Hoff, yes, that was, yeah. it was a, there. Was a it wasn't quite as sort of large scale as that, but there was a sort of hint of that. Mm. But that yeah. could be that could be interesting, like having them fire like an ion cannon, so that you know they're trying to get rid of these ships and you know the the, the whatever the space Nazis are that take yes. over this planet who want to kick everyone out, you know, are really just popping them along and trying to get rid of them. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, yeah, the Hoff. Um, uh, oh, they're on the bridge and there's a transport that's suffering some sort of engine failure and it's leaking everywhere and Archer offers assistance even though the people on the planet are just dismissive and all this sort of thing um, and rather than there being a sort of big rescue thing you know they're going to swoop in they they take hold of the, the shuttle and then move it out of the way with the grappling hook maybe they're being shot at like on, on Hoth you know the enemy are trying to shoot back at them um, that it just instantly cuts to the transport's already docked and they've already taken the sick and injured on board. And in the sick bay, Phlox notices somebody coming in. Mm. And again, the reaction he gives is a far more personal reaction than just noticing that there's somebody different coming in the sick bay. And I was wondering again, do you feel that there was 
something missing that it should have been Matt Haps and Antaran that he already knew or knew about. No, not really, because I actually the the first instance I think you think he must know this guy. Mm, mm. So actually, it does that job. Okay, I don't think he needs to know him at all. No, I think um, as we get through the episode, you know, the the the, the antagonism is so strong that it's it's fine it doesn't need to be a personal connection it's it's strong enough Hmm. Hmm. yeah it it, it's so weird how the the whole message of the episode is that he hates the antarans because it's the antarans because it could be an indiscriminate person he just happens to look a certain way but the way that he delivers that performance it feels like it is a personal Hmm. you know relationship with this antaran um, and that is that it's it's such a good performance, I think, from John Billingsley that he is taking it on personally, even though it's just another Antara. Yeah. There is no specific relationship involved. Um, and I think that's one thing they, they pulled off really well yeah. in his portrayal of the character. Um, he's brought in, he places him in the, the imaging chamber and just he's sort of frozen to the spot. Mm. And no one else on staff. By the way, Flux has a staff now. <laughs> yes, like, yes. What's going on there? <laughs> Where did these four or five people come in? Who were all right? Fair enough. Maybe these are the engineers wheeling him in. But there's three or four people in the background, all attending to yeah. people. Like, I mean, does does that kind of cut under the, the 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 bit of drama? Because they say, "Oh, he can't be my physician. Don't let him treat me. Just send the human in." Then, like, yeah, I sort of thought got, that. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I know what you mean. I guess they're they're maybe like just sort of field trained, maybe. so they've just been maybe. brought in, you know, because of the emergency. Because there's so many people, mm. and you still need a doctor to perform the more complicated surgery, I suppose, or the the treatment. That's where I thought they were going to go with it. I thought they said like we can send in these human medics, but ultimately your thing is going to be so much more personal, and it's more of an operation that only flocks can do it. Mm. And they didn't really go that far. They didn't say that I am the only person who can do this. Um, Then we get to the cave scenes. This is the start of the cave scenes. Now, uh, I did not like the cave scenes. I have to admit it. It started off okay, And then it just gradually just became the same scene over and over (laughs) and over again until something happens that, you know, causes like a problem for Travis and so on and so on. But it just felt like I was watching the same scene played out like they were just trying to save some money this episode and i don't feel like I, I i was invested in the cave rescue as i was in the story on the enterprise um uh reed again okay. oh, sh- shut up reed like he said um, <laughs> i'm not in, not entirely convinced we're going in the right direction even yes. though malcolm malcolm has just heard travis say that oh their campsite is just here here is the mouth to the cave. I would put money that this is the closest way they would get in. And like, that's a completely justified reason. But Reed is like, oh, I don't know if we're going in the right direction. Such a backseat cave, uh, <laughs> cave climber. Like, Jesus Christ, shut up. Um, Trip said, uh, the last time I was in a cave, uh, it had rails yeah. and a snack bar. Yeah. Now that seems to completely contradict two other episodes that we've already had just a year ago, which was Strange New World and Andorian Incident, where he was uh-huh. in caves yes, right. and there was no rails and snack bar. So there is a unseen episode of Enterprise wow. where maybe they went into a cave. There was a rail and a snack bar. I don't know how you build some tension out of that, but maybe, maybe there was, or maybe that was one of his hallucinations on Strange New World. Yeah, maybe, maybe that yeah. was. 
he saw you know he saw a little uh, <laughs> a bar in the in the cave you know um but there we go uh, and reed is um still uh, willing to bet that uh, they didn't come this way even right up to the end of the scene despite travis continually proving a good set of knowledge about caving uh, any thoughts on the cave scenes in general um well the first thing is that awful cgi yeah that was really <laughs> bad wasn't it <laughs> right at the beginning i thought that was the thing he was going to moan about because that was terrible <laughs> See, that was the least of my concerns, is that we've had the bad CGI in other episodes. I kind of gave it a pass. But it was just, oh, I think it's Reed's backseat driving, yeah. and it's the constant undermining of Travis, despite the fact that he's got all the equipment, knows what they're doing, and actually leads them in the right direction, as we eventually find out in the episode. So have you had a retread? I think I might have. Okay. So I think I might put the thing in yeah. here. You're a very brave man, Malcolm. Never much cared for the name Malcolm. I was rather growing fond of the name Stinky. You've had too much to drink. But there's one thing people think think is funny, and I tell you what it is, just what pineapple. It's a little wink wagger in my hand. That makes me such a gang. About 30 years in the break. Or maybe a good flogging. <sighs> See, you were looking at my hands. You should have been looking at my eyes. They admire my folks and I keep away the dogs with military wigger in my hand. Awfully nice. Okay, so my retreat has spread. <laughs> yeah, the whole caving stuff, I didn't mind it, but it did remind me at one point there was a bit where they looked very much like Ghostbusters. Yeah. Their outfits were very sort of Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> and of course there was the bit where where travis breaks his leg which is you know sort of that had to happen didn't it because he was having far that's like almost a, an episode and a half of travis <laughs> and that's that's too much it's, you know he's got to be left behind for all the action yeah uh, berman just broke into the writer's room it's like stop what you're doing stop doing break his leg yeah break his leg <laughs> It's like, we can't pay him anymore. <laughs> he pays him by the word. I don't know who made his contract, but just start, just stop him. Kill him off. There you go. <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah. Well, as we're about to find out, the cave scenes uh, will come back. Um, <laughs> we're into sickbay, and Archer is the one who wants an update on the Antaran status. Flock says that um, he can cure what the Antaran has, but he would actually rather die than be treated by him. And the hatred is straight away. I mean, you can't, you don't think it's just a lead up and actually the Antaran tried to be a little bit diplomatic in the beginning. He is straight in with the hatred, the vile. Um, uh, out in the corridor afterwards, Phlox then relays the story of the two species to um, Archer. 300 years of bad blood. Um, you know, uh, the, we now get the sort of crux of the morality, the ethics of the episode as well. Flocks and his uh, oath as a doctor is about the will of the patient, not the duty of care. Whereas Hippocrates, who was not a denobular, as Flocks uh, points out, um, is about you know, duty of care first. You know, if you can help him, you must help him. And Archer gives the order. He gives him an order that you have to as a, a occupant on a human ship, subscribe to human values. Um, any thoughts on what will be the real sort of big point of the episode? Yeah, I think um, it's Archer. Again, is that we're going back to that sort of Archer 
morality, heavy morality sort of thing. And I think, I mean, I think he's, it's very difficult, isn't it? Because it's really, it brings up an interesting question, you know. We haven't got, we haven't got Starfleet really quite mm. yet. Um, so, you know, how do they sort of bring together all these different moralities around me- medical ethics? Because yeah, he's right, there would be on different planets, there'd be different ideas about quite how it all works and stuff. Mm. So I think that's quite an interesting sort of moment that isn't explored particularly beyond that. But it does bring up quite interesting thoughts about, you know, how do you find a, a universal, quite literally a universal sort of ethics for, for medical or anything for that matter? Mm. And who decides and how does that all work? Mm. yeah you've um you've mentioned that you've worked in a the industry of um care for yeah. people who don't want or cannot yeah. uh, reasonably give permission yeah. for um any kind of treatment and i was wondering if that sort of overlapped with the 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 choice that flox is already facing yeah i mean this it's interesting because that that could be a thing couldn't it because you know because um Denoblin says no, that isn't what happens. If the, but then there must be in Denoblin sort of ethics, you know, what happens if someone can't give consent? Mm. What happens if someone comes in un- unconscious? Mm. You you can't find out what their choices are. You have to make a decision. So there mm. must be some sort of provision for that. Mm. But obviously, the guy can make his own decisions. So maybe that doesn't come into it anyway. It doesn't matter to him. But um. Yeah, it's, it's a strange one, isn't it, really? Uh, mm. But it does add a, a dimension, I think. You know, when you're, when you're looking at Flox's interactions with the Antaran, you know, all the time, mm. it, in the back of his mind, at least, is, is that, you know, it's the, it's the patient's choice. Mm. But then he's not, a, the patient isn't a Nobleian. Mm. So what's, a, what's the ethics on Antarian or Antari or whatever it's called? Mm. Mm. It's it, it's quite it make yeah it's interesting isn't it because you know it's quite a complicated thing to think about when you start to think about you know how does it all work yeah you know I don't know I mean because hmm. I mean if if the Antaran were unconscious yes. and he knew he could do the operation and the Antaran could not um, give or not give his consent yeah then he would default to something along the lines of the Hippocratic Oath and save him regardless. Um, You know, if you can help the patient, you do help the patient. Um, So in somewhere in the Denobulan ethic, there must be that sort of Hippocratic element. Um, So under a certain point, you could say, I can help him. He will be sick up to this point. And this will be the the point of no return where I cannot help him and his disease will be irreversible um you know if he he could say no all the way up to that point but still at that point i know i can still save him so i must save him yeah um and i'm just wondering why flux needed the order because i kind of Mm. feel like everything we've seen for the last two years would Mm. he would have done it he would have actually he was about to save the mank you know it was archer who stood in the way uh really at the end um uh, although you know he suggested that we should give the cure yeah. and save 
save the mink uh, or at least give the mink a fighting chance you yeah. know all this sort of thing it was archer that kind of stood in his way this way it seems to be the other way around mm. that flocks um is being held back by something but or do you feel like that was an excuse do you feel like this is actually a more of a subtext in that actually it's that ingrained hatred of antarans that he just doesn't want to help him because he is antaran well i think to begin with that you could say that but i think he as the episode goes on you know, he mm. clearly is that isn't his mindset. Mm. I would imagine, you know, like he might have what's the word? He he wants to be enlightened and 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 but you know he has been ingrained to a degree. You know, there's there is a a sort of level at which he's heard the stories. He grew up with those stories that, that does influence you, even if you you know try to put that behind you. I think, mm. you know, I think it does have an influence. But I, I think as we go forward, definitely not. I don't think there's any way that it's about him being Antaran. Mm. I don't think that's at all. I think it. I think it is literally the the, the Noblium ethics that is the problem. But as you say, mm. that they they haven't arrived. They haven't sort of appeared before. <laughs> so they're a little bit like, um, oh, what should we make flocks do this week sort of thing, you know. <laughs> but, you know, we've never seen them come up before, nothing like that. I, I don't know if there is an example of any patients that he's cured like, against their will so. as yet, but, yeah, you know, it's handy for the story, isn't it? Very true, very true. And I suppose everyone he's cured so far has asked for his help yeah. in some shape or form. You know, so he could justify it, I guess. Uh, uh, now we go back to the cave. Um, the cave, we're abseiling for yes. four minutes. Four minutes four of the episode of just abseiling and not much talking. It's Reed saying, uh, do you reckon they have to carry out everything they bring in when they find a little <laughs> box box full of rocks? So do they think that Flocks poops rocks? I don't, I don't really get what he was getting out there. But it's four minutes. Well, all right, 30 seconds of them actually talking, but three and a half minutes of just nothing but abseiling. Yep. That's all it was. And I have to admit, that's the bit where I skipped through because it's like, they're going down, they're going down, they're climbing, they're going down, they're going down. It was just, yeah, I'm not invested in this cave rescue at this point. I'm sorry. Uh, your thoughts? Well, my main thought was that they took, when they went to the shuttle, they took 500 metres of rope. Mm-hmm. And when... Um, Travis looks down with his light. That looks a lot more than 500 metres to me. It does. So yeah. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I can only assume that the rope is, I don't know, it it, it stretches out so it goes further. So, you know, condensed down, it's it's four, 500 metres, but actually when you pull it taut, it can go longer, like it's some space-age fabric that expands itself. I don't know. Um, you know, like those uh, those crinkly hoses? Yes. That when you use them, they're really long, but actually when they condense down, it's yeah. fine. You have to tip all the water out. Um, but, yeah, I'm just... Uh, it's just four minutes of caves. That's all it is. <laughs> I just want to get back to the proper, like, ethical stuff up in the orbit there we go but we go back to the enterprise and we do get the ethics stuff again archer tries to convince the antaran first so rather than trying to f- fix flocks yes. he's trying to fix the antaran and it's critical that we don't actually get the antaran's name the whole way through mm. the episode and it's a really weird thing because last week we had the exact same thing where travis only referred to mum as mum or you know we only had paul and charlie when he was throwing shade on him um and that was the only names we got and the, again the antaran doesn't want to give his name so mm. In the episode, it's a weird thing about the episode. They did it so 
vague, it actually works because it is uh, a racism against and or speciesism against Antarans, yes. not this Antaran. Yes, maybe and that it was, was a, a conscious decision, though. Yeah. Exactly, that's what I was getting at. Do you think it was a conscious? I, I, decision? I hope yeah. so. I, I, you know, uh, my my um, confidence in the writers at this point is pretty low. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it wasn't, but it would make sense. You know, he, he represents Antarians in general and therefore it doesn't need a name. That would make, that would make sense. Mm. But, but we don't knows? even get it on, on a screen or anything. It's not like they scanned an ID tag and you know, you now have his name. Um, or I was kind of hoping that there would be this point where they do refer to him by name mm. once they get past the, yeah. the, the morality of it. It's like, my name is, yeah. and then, you know, uh, they introduce themselves by name rather than by species. Um, but that never happened. Um, there's no doctor on the transport. And again, none of the medics could help <laughs> at this, at this point, it is just this weird spider thing yes. sitting on his chest, <laughs> and it just looks like Flox is pressing a button to give him his, his drugs. And I kind of feel like that's something anyone could do. Couldn't they? I mean, it just it seems weird um i know they can't call down to the planet and use some of their doctors because they're going through their planetary brexit or galaxy exits so gex it i don't know <laughs> um so they can't use their doctors but there were tons of transports that just left i mean they're yeah. only a day away yeah there must be a doctor on one of those wasn't there call them back yeah. um uh admit yeah you don't get the ethical debate but I, I'm surprised that no one brought up that conversation. Mm. Let's just bring in another doctor, but you're going to have to wait. Yeah. It's going to be uncomfortable. Um, uh, they have a troubled history. Well, it's more than just troubled. 20 million deaths. Yeah. And um, uh, if you'd studied all of our history texts, you need to find out you know, a little bit more about our history. Uh, this kind of felt like just British history 101, isn't it? Col- colonialism. Yes. You know, we killed we killed millions of people around the world, and we don't really talk about it. Yep. We call it the troubles in Ireland. Yes, indeed. We call it. You know, <laughs> uh, it's like little euphemisms for all this sort of stuff. Um, I, I just uh, you know, given the Temple Trek and the love of history and everything we talked about, it, it just felt like a very realistic and mm. hitting a bit close to home yeah. <laughs> conversation you know this is far more than troubled history you really yeah. need to educate yourself archer um archer does say that he uh you know recognizes their sacrifice i thought it was a very unusual yeah, i did as well yeah term. like almost like that they gave up something i actually know by the sounds of it the Danubians wiped them out yeah. <laughs> like they did not sacrifice anything they were actually taken and destroyed. Yeah, I, um, I thought that. That's a weird so yeah, just any thoughts? That. Very weird choice of words. Um, and and what I thought was that, you know, the Denoblin we know, the only one we know really. Well, we sort of know two, but we know Flocks well, and we know um, his wife. I can't remember what her name was now, but <laughs> but they don't come across as homicidal maniacs, do they? Really? No. You know, I, I can't imagine them slaughtering 20 million people really exactly i guess you know maybe the noble society's changed a lot like you know like as much as the vulcans maybe but yeah it just doesn't seem in character for the the characters that we know mm. and the other three that we meet this episode yeah. they're aloof they're annoying um they are um they're you know that kind of typical trope of scientists of like, they don't really care about the outside world. They've just got their work. But again, I couldn't imagine them no. slaughtering 20 million people. No. Like how bad did things get yeah. on Denobula that there was this one guy 
Um, you know, we've had space Nazis. This is uh, Denobul and Space Hitler. Um, yeah. Just that one guy rose up and thought, I'm going to kill 20 million of those people on that planet over there. Um, yeah, very strange. But as Archer says as well, you know, these are not the Denobulans I've met. The people mm. you're describing, it seems like a completely different person. Um, and yeah, I mean, again, liken it to Britain, British history. You know, we can have a nice informed discussion about politics and we wouldn't get angry, we wouldn't start hitting each other. But you do get people in our society who, if you start bringing up politics, they get very angry mm. uh, just by the mention of politics. Yeah. Just us having this conversation and recording it yeah. and they listen to this episode, they would get angry yes. just because we're talking about it. Not necessarily stating opinions, but just talking about it. Um, so I guess there is a bit more nuance to the Denobulan society, yeah. at least at this point. Yeah, yeah I suppose that's true. Uh, you know, society is very complex isn't it it's made up of so many different you know different types of people and different mm. ways of seeing the world and stuff yeah very yeah. true um archer then goes to speak to flocks and now he's sort of heard about this story he's heard about the the millions of deaths so he's going back and trying to figure out what exactly is uh, going on um he's got a shelf stacked with meds He's got an entire cabinet full of medical blo- blocks of boxes. Um, what exactly is he doing in his in his ready room? Like before, before we've seen him in his ready room, but he was fast asleep having his hibernation when they were in Risa. Mm. Um, but he is just kitted out. I mean, he's got a second sick bay basically in, <laughs> yeah. his, in his quarters. What is he doing? Yeah, yeah, very good. I mean, I, I you know, I, I didn't think we'd ever seen his quarters before, but yeah, you're right. The but. Um... I don't think we ever see him again, do we? I can't think of any time that we have. Man. I mean, I really like it. It's got plants everywhere. Yeah. And he's, he's, it's a very herbal way of thing. I was kind of expecting to have more creatures mm. in his quarters yeah. as well. Um, and that maybe he'd moved them out when we last saw his quarters because he was hibernating. He didn't want to be disturbed by, you know, uh, Tiberian bats screeching and <laughs> yeah. things like this. Um, but uh, yeah, he's just really kitted out with meds. I'm just wondering, like, why is there not much more storage on the Enterprise for... <laughs> For medicines, <laughs> so, you know, one, one doctor, we've only just seen the staff just yeah. now. Um, you know, it, we don't really get much priority given over to <laughs> medical care here on the Enterprise. But there we go. So, yes, uh, we, yeah, we've uh, got him just heavily medicated in his uh, in his quarters there. Um, from uh, childhood, uh, Denobulans are taught that Antarans are evil. That they are yeah. the boogeyman. They are um, actually the he's the first Denobulan that the Antaran has seen, and he's the first Antaran he's seen as well. Uh, and in all that time, no one's tried to reconciliate. I could kind of see that working out. You know, on the planet Earth, if there, you know, we've had the troubles in Ireland. We're literally next door neighbors. Ge- you know, geographically speaking, we're not that far away. We're living in each other's pockets. Of course, we're going to try and reconcile. But two distinct planets separated by you know thousands upon millions of miles and light years, it would make mm. sense that they wouldn't reconcile, that they are so far removed. They are not living in each other's pockets. That's true, yeah. But then, well, yeah, I suppose... Mm. Yeah, I suppose you're right, really. It makes it easier, certainly, doesn't mm. it? There isn't that need to, to get along after the the problems you know but you would think you know again yeah. i mean i suppose it depends how enlightened yeah. flox is is flox typical of his generation or is he an outlier you know that's the question and yeah and and looking at it it seems he's a bit of an outlier really 
Mm. I mean, the three Denobulans were about to meet who are the geologists, have buried themselves in a cave. They may have gone to another planet, but they are not interacting with mm. anybody. So how speciesist yes. could they be? You know, it, it, and, and that is one beat that I thought they were going to play again. I thought they were going to bring them up earlier. We weren't going to get constant scenes of abseiling down caves. Actually, they were going to bring them up earlier. And then you have the interaction between the classic Denobulan and the hatred yes. of Denobula, uh, yeah. Biantaran and Flocks. Yeah. And Flocks becomes the, the middle ground. Um, I genuinely thought that was a beat that they could have done and was missing from the episode. Yeah. Um, uh, Flock says, do you think I can change his mind in the next 36 hours? Has he watched Star Trek? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's pretty much what they do every week, isn't it? I mean, yeah. they change people's minds. Absolutely. I mean, Kirk, it would, he would have been done by now. Exactly. He yeah. would have he, the, the whole planet that they would have re- rejoined. They would have become best friends. They would have changed their entire entire civilizations in order to to please Kirk. Exactly. I mean, yeah. he would have found out the Antaran has some weird space god. Shoots it with a phaser. Turns out it's a computer. <laughs> and every, yeah, yeah, jobs are good. You know. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Baal tells you the Antarans must d- just hate the Denobulans. Oh, let's shoot Baal then. That's it's yeah. much easier. Um, uh, nothing is stopping you from talking to him. So it seems that Flock still hasn't gone along the sort of medical ethics route and said, well, I have to treat him because I'm on a human ship. He's still holding back. Yeah. But Archer does say you can just talk to him. There's nothing yeah. stopping you from doing that. And we go back to the cave. Oh, God. <laughs> It's almost like they planned it out because it's another four minutes, give or take, you know, five, five or 10 seconds. It's another four minutes of caving and they are walking. They're walking some more. They walk a little bit more than that. And oh, they find a bit of slippy slideies. They slide and trip down the cave. Uh, Travis, considering he's the expert, fails to lock off properly yes and he had a minute to do so okay so he had almost 45 seconds i was timing it you know how pedantic i get 45 (laughs) seconds to properly lock off that thing into the thing and make sure it worked and pull tight and everything before reed then slips falls and drags everyone with him and of course it's reed who does that um (laughs) they slip they slide they fall off the edge and travis is the one to catch him and jams his leg into that crevasse bit and uh, you can hear the snap that was so harsh a sound effect whoever was in the the sound effect booth making that up had a great time i think um but i don't know what they actually made to do that but you can see the 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 pain on travis's face straight away so you know he's not going anywhere and they swing they move you know again it's another about two and a half minutes of them swinging side to side like when are they going to do what they're doing (laughs) They don't even do the rule of three. You know, the, the rule of three on any kind of uh, computer game or anything like that. You know, you hit their boss once, you get a little <laughs> bit of damage. Twice, you've done half the damage. The third time is when you actually get the kill shot. They do it five times of him just one, two. But he counts three. I don't know yes. why he counts three, but he does it five times. That trip, trip can't count. So last week, he can't read books. And this week, he can't count. And he's the chief blooming engineer. Um but he locks off in a matter of two seconds of just jamming the lock into the into the break in the rock. Um, yeah, I, Travis is lying about his ability, and and Trip can't count. There you go. That's all I've got to talk about from that four minutes. Any any other thoughts? I, I, no, I think I'll uh, leave your your um, your thoughts there as as a joint thought. 
I, I'm not quite as harsh as you, but you know, I enjoyed it. So <laughs> I think having to watch it twice, that's that's what got to me. It's like watching it once to try and enjoy the episode, and then the second time when I do my notes, that second time it was like, oh god, I know what's coming. He he does it five times and yet he counts to three. It just bothers me. Um we're back at sickbay and Flox is now with the Antaran. He's trying to be nice, but the Antaran is saying, you know, how delightful we have so much in common. And he's really aggressively horrible to him. Um, you know, I haven't killed anyone. You know, Flox, you know, yeah. deal with me. Don't deal with me as a Denobulan. Deal with me, Flox. Um, but you must know everything about our phys- physiology after you, what your doctors did to us. Now that was, I mean, if it wasn't implied at this point, it's this is space Nazis. The Denobians were being space Nazis at this they were, point. Yeah. They are dissecting people. They are learning about the Antarans. That is even, that's an added level. It's not just that they bombed the, the planet and killed 20 million people. They studied them. They dissected them. They got into them. That that just that's a whole other level of evil <laughs> that they really brought into is. this. And now you can really understand why the Antaran hates him, because if that's what they were doing. But again, remember that this was 300 years ago. Yeah. So, you know, again, what, what actually happened? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to excuse. Yeah. You know, I'm not suggesting that. But, you know, we if we look back 300 years, what's that? It's um, sort of 16th century, 17th century. Yeah, yeah. How much do we really know about what went on? You know, yeah. now I'm not suggesting that for a second that, you know, oh, um, actually the, the empire was great. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> one of those people, you know. And uh, can we please focus on all the good things we did? <laughs> uh, there wasn't many. Um, no. Can we think of anything? Uh, no. So let's go back no. to admitting that actually it was all bad. But, you know, there is that aspect. And, you know, so I don't know. I suppose you have to believe him. But I, I just, yeah. again, I just find it so hard to imagine the Noblemans yeah. being like that. Yeah. If this was something it, like when we've had all of those instances of the Vulcans being arseholes to humans, yeah. If we just met a few more Denobulans up to this point and they were offish and horrible, yeah. and yeah. we see how much Flux is so different to mm. them, or when we met his wife, she says he's not like your typical Denobulan. Yeah. He's not like my other two husbands. My other two husbands, they're much more uh, ingrained in Denobulan culture. He is much more flighty. He goes off and does yeah. this. But every Denobulan we've met so far is open is more than willing to discuss anything with anyone um and uh and sleep with everyone (laughs) yes in the in the case of his wife as well you know they are so sexually open it's hard to imagine that other elements of their society aren't as open yeah and free thinking as well or is this them kidding themselves is as genobular actually burying their head in the sand Mm. and the way that they get past their trouble is by ignoring it and appearing open and nice to everybody else you know, we are nice. You know, forget yeah. about all the stuff we did, you know, 300 yeah, years maybe, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is modern Denobula. Is it actually a big lie that they've constructed? Mm. Yes, yes, it could be. Yeah, very true. Um, and then we get my, I think my favourite scene, which okay. is Flux and T'Pol in the mess deck. Uh, so he's sitting there on his own. Um, he's clearly, you know, taking this on, the insults that are being given. He took the insults a little bit more personally than I thought he would. You know, it, the Antaran got under his skin a lot quicker than I thought he yep. would. I think there were still a few more steps, in, at least in my mind, that he needed to go through to really break um, Flocks. But he, he took it on personally. Um, they, 
he thinks he's going to die to prove a point that actually he's had people refuse treatment, but that's normally the later stages when there's nothing that can be done. Phlox talks about his racist grandmother and yep. uh, the fact that he was going to go on this lovely field trip with his friends to uh, a jungle planet. And she said, no, you can't go there because the Antarans have muddied yep. it. They've dirtied the water. Um, he tried to teach his kids better and he wanted to set a better example. And to poll has, I think, one of the nicest moments where she actually says they were fortunate that their father was trying to teach them to do better. Not necessarily that he was better, but he was trying to teach them better and give them a better upbringing. Um, yeah, just love it. Two actors just chewing into their, their script. And I think it, it was delivered in the right kind of way. Music may be a little bit more sentimental than I like, but overall, I think it's my favourite scene of the episode. I didn't know about you. Well, yes, I'm going to... Um... I'm going to leave what you said there because I thought you, you you summed up really well. But my my thing to drop in just to lower the tone as such. Did you notice that he left his plate on the table again? <gasps> oh my god! Dinner, I completely missed it. Off. Oh my god! Yes, he did. So I'm oh just going to go back to you know basics he, and he just I left completely it. Completely missed it. And I, you know, almost I could almost see in Tapol's eyes thinking, "I'm going to have to clear that up." And I again, <laughs> I'm going to have to clear that up. He's just buggered off. I can't believe it. <laughs> I, I, I'll do it, mate. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> Maybe that's it. You know, it's it's that inner thing of the Denobulans. It's spilling out. He's actually yeah. sexist as well. Yeah. And he just leaves the, the the women to clear his plates. We've we've never seen it before. Maybe that's it. Oh, maybe this whole time we haven't noticed, and because we didn't want to notice, because yes. we like we liked him. That's it. We're just as bad as the audience. That's we what are. It is. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, I completely missed it. Whether he left it or not, <laughs> I, mean, I, I I probably missed it because he wasn't leaning over to take whatever she had to then. Yes. Oh do it yes, he, yes, yes. He normally does that first, yeah. so that's probably why I missed it. That's it. Um, and oh goody, we're back in the cave again. Um, it's another four minutes. <laughs> ah. um, it, again, give or take five or ten seconds here or there. It's another four bloody minutes in a cave. Um, Reed is doing more of the same. He's just being like, I don't know if they're coming this way. It's like you found their rocks in a box. You found the cave that was nearest to their camp. All the evidence is pointing to you going this way. Um, and you still being an arsehole and a backseat driver. Uh, uh, but they find the Danubians. They actually yes. get to the cave. They eventually make their way in. Only to find out that they're a bunch of <laughs> as well. Like they're just like Reed. Yeah. They're just they're being dismissive. It's like, oh, don't worry. The government changes all the time. You know, we'll be down here. We'll be fine. What exactly are you going to be doing? You're going to eat the rocks? Are you going to, are you that monster in the never ending story that lives on limestones? <laughs> I mean, what, what are you going to do? Um, so they're just going to be laying there. And Trip says, you know, I've got two days to get you back. I'm going to hogtie you and drag you back if you don't. So just pick what you need to go and let's go. At least this cave scene had something happen in it. I'm just saying, like the last, the last minute of those Denobians being um, just, uh, just stupid. They are so stupid. Like they've just told them they are going to be shot if they don't leave the planet, and they just think, "Ah, oh, we're going to stay in the cave. It's all right. We got our speleothems. We're all right." <laughs> um, they think they're going to somehow also study them and figure out how to stop earthquakes on their planet. Yes. Don't know how that science works, but hey. <laughs> um, but hey, there we go. Do you? Do, I don't know transplant rocks from one planet to another and that stops earthquakes i, I don't know how that works um but yeah any thoughts on the the denobulans that we are meeting 
Yeah, they they were pretty d- dismissive to start, weren't they? But um, <laughs> they didn't come across as aggressive or anything. No. Just like, I think you, you hit the nail on the head earlier when you said about, you know, they're scientists and they've got their work and they don't sort of, you know, anything else is sort of, oh, well, mm. you know, that sort itself <laughs> out, you know. Um, yeah, but um, I, I did quite like Tripp's absolute frustration. <laughs> you know, you can see that he's all sweaty and dirty. You know, he's obviously, it's been hard work and he gets there and he's like, oh, I can't believe this. Just, <laughs> you know. Just don't be a, a idiot, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I, I quite liked that scene actually. I thought it worked pretty well. Yeah, uh, it works as another scene in the fact that we've left Travis behind and nobody asks about him. No. Trip doesn't even use it as a justification that they need to get going. It's like we've got a man who broke his leg just up there just to come and get you, just to guilt trip them. He doesn't even use that as an excuse because they've completely forgotten about Travis. Um, <laughs> quite rightly because it is enterprise we always forget about travis um but yeah and and it's been three days and we haven't seen them go to sleep we haven't seen them camp out so that's three days getting down to them or at least a day and a half i suppose um and then another day and a half to get back but yeah it's it just baffles me that they've been told the science director of denobula have asked them to come home they are being ordered by the people in charge and they still don't want to leave. Yeah. Um, yeah, very strange. Maybe that is the entrenched personality of Denobulans that would Maybe, lead yeah. to, to 20 million deaths. I don't know. Um, Flux was about to proceed without his permission. Uh, he was going to administer something with that sort of spider thingy on his chest, but he was asleep. Um, but he eventually wakes up. The Antaran says, what are you doing? You know, I'm just taking your vitals. It's fine. Flox uh, tells of his nightmares and said, you asked, do I have nightmares? Yes, I do. Um, but I attempted to teach my kids better. And that worked on four of them, but not one of them. Mm. And we get another one of my scenes. It's probably my second favourite because it is, we now get the personal reason. Yeah. And I think this then informs those acting choices that John Billingsley did at the very beginning. It was a very personal thing when he saw the Antaran for the first time because it brought up Metis, mm. his son. Yes and that he hasn't spoken to him for 10 years that the people who have indoctrinated him with lies and propaganda um he would be more than happy to let this antaran die because he's evil you know that's what everybody knows antarans are always evil um but he uh, said you know why not live and set a better example um and i think that's just a beautiful sentiment i just love that i'm a sucker for a good line it's very star uh, trek isn't it it's so star trek absolutely yeah. uh, any thoughts on that moment i think that's the the bridge the dividing the breach is that where they're going with this yeah i think you're right i think it is the moment when and i think the antaran really sort of realizes that actually you know it's like anything you know i think if you meet people then whatever you think you know like i mean i always think of france mm-hmm. in this country there's this sort of i don't think it's particularly sort of it, not anymore, but it's you know this idea that the French are sort of horrible and no one likes the French and we're always at war with the French and mm-hmm. you know and and you meet French people and you know yeah <laughs> and it's sort of that and the entire sort of sees that I think mm. he sees through the you know actually this guy is is genuine he's you know he's got emotions like just like he has and you know he's, like I, I always believe that you know. I was very lucky when I was a child. I went, I traveled quite a lot 
Mm. And my family, on my mum's side, my my nan was Italian. And um, my mum's got six or seven sisters. Wow. And for whatever reason, they've sort of, one went to Australia, one lived in Ireland, one lived in Germany. We had relatives in in, uh, Italy, you know, so I, I traveled around quite a lot as a child and, and sort of, and, and you realize, I think that actually everybody's basically the same. Yeah. You know, most people just try and live their life, you know, look after their family, have as good a life as they can. And that would be true across planets, you know? And mm-hmm. I think that moment is where he maybe sees that he, he sees himself or he sees, you know, the humanity for one, you know, the de nobody in in the tea. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the word would be. Um, yeah. In the in in flocks, you know, and I think you're right that and it works really well. And it's it's a simple moment, mm. but I think that moment would occur. It's it's very real. Yeah, it is a it is that moment that happens. That suddenly you you make a connection for whatever reason or something. You know, maybe. I don't know maybe he has the same thing with his son. Maybe he's a stranger of his son or something like that. You know, yeah. And 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 it just makes that connection. So yeah, I think it works really well. Yeah, and he does mention that he's also a family man. That actually yeah. he's been thinking about it, um, and that is their their bridge. That's the way they they actually come together. Is that they can talk about their families, yeah. um, regardless of who they are. Um, you'll be pleased to know we're back in the cave, but it's only three minutes on this one. Um, so not for. <laughs> Um, but there's a cave-in as the patrols yes. have caught up to them and they're starting to fire us because we need some drama in this episode. Like, uh, no. <laughs> I, I, again, I thought maybe there was going to be something going on where the Denobians, we find out the Denobians can run up walls. Yes. Can flocks do that? I mean... I assume he can, yeah. I can't... I mean, there are so many other episodes now. I'm going back in my head. Could he just have walked up the, the railings or... <laughs> Could he have done something that would have been a lot easier? I mean, I mean, when the the Sulaban were attacking and they were hanging off the scene, it's yeah. like, I could do, I'll do that. No worries. Gets it, bats him off with like a fly swatter or something. It's like the Nobians are just as good as the Sulaban. There we go. But yeah, they can abseil without any ropes, which is handy. And that's it. That's all that cave scene is. It just points out that rocks are falling and the Nobians can just walk up. Enterprise, and it turns out the cave-in is actually from the patrols, and that their patrols are fighting against other soldiers. They're not actually aiming at the people in the cave; they're aiming at people who have not uh, accepted the change in power. Um, we didn't really get the space Nazis, and I'm really surprised that they didn't show us the space Nazis. They didn't mm. uh, try to sort of get us to to hate what this general who they're talking to over the phone who has an amazing voice by the way who whoever the actor was i was trying to find him out on imdb but it's quite difficult because they don't list him by name um and uh yeah he's just an incredible voice i i did not like that general whoever he was um but he talks about you know do you really want to start a war with us and then archer is saying you know yeah, do you really want to start a war with the humans and fight on two sides? He stands up to bullies again. I think that was a consistent archer thing there uh, for me, at least. Uh, back to the cave for 30 seconds, not four. And uh, we're pulling Travis up the thing yes. and he drops one of the boxes of speleothems. And one of the one of the Denovians just says, oh, my speleothems. Oh, don't worry. I've, I've got another box over here in my duffel bag. Like, what is the point in that line? He's just, we're making them seems so stupid yeah. as geologists. It's like, well, you could just come back and get them when things stabilize. You believe that the government's going to change anyway. Come back and get them. Don't worry. Oh, my God. I just don't like these 
<laughs> these three Denobulans, just so ridiculous. Um, uh, Sick Bay, the Antaran, has now accepted his treatment. We go back to the cave again, and they are just they're running to the shuttle bay, uh, the shuttle, and they're going to fly off. Uh, they get a little tap on the bum by their patrols as they shoot them uh, going through the atmosphere. Um, but Flox and Archer then have this little tete-a-tete of, you know, you could just order me to tell you how I managed to change his mind in 36 hours, which I said that I couldn't do, but it's Star Trek, so I can. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just the doctor-patient confidentiality, the sort of jokey atmosphere that they yeah. have between them. Um, just any thoughts of all the scenes? Because it, it goes pretty quick at this point. Yeah, I, I quite like the ending. I think it rounds everything up. Um yeah, I just think um, it's a nice ending to a decent episode, hmm. really. Um, I think the bit where the Antaran says, you know, the, the Denoblans are back on, going to go on the shuttle, uh, not shuttle, the ship with them. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose the only thing I would say is that, you know, uh, it is a very Star Trek thing that his entire worldview has been changed. <laughs> you know, so now he's quite happy to spend you know six months with three Denoblans, you know. But I'll let him off on that. Yeah. But I want to. I do want to get that short trek. I want to get the Antarans sitting with these three yeah. complete <laughs> geologists yeah. and completely ruins all the good work that Flux has done this episode. It's like they wouldn't shut up about their f-ing rocks. They, <laughs> they kept showing me all these samples of the bloody rocks, and then. <laughs> And then sitting on the other side is the guy with all the uh, the weird uh, <laughs> jelly things on his feet. And he, he he talks about all the stuff they went through trying to get him out of prison. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to be a captain one day. I met this guy. He was called Trip. He was on the Enterprise ship you were just talking about. And uh, he's just... <laughs> And then he's just annoying him. And it's just this Antara just seething with hatred. He's like, I wish Flux had just let me die. Crying out loud. <laughs> um, just, just the worst travel home ever. Um but there we go. Uh, yeah, so Archer does uh, let him know that there's going to be these denobulans and that uh, the reason that Flox couldn't say goodbye to him is because Travis broke his leg, which we won't see the healing process of. We don't even get Travis coming in and then Flox saying, oh, you did it again. Oh, you hurt yourself rock climbing. Maybe, maybe don't do that. <laughs> Uh, the ships warp off and we get another nice little scene for Phlox, a little character moment where he starts writing a letter to Metis yeah. and, and reaching out uh, again, yeah. sort of trying to, to bridge that divide, uh, the breach, I guess, if you really want to do it. Um, I, I think this might be my favourite character-centric episode we've had for the last two years of Enterprise. You're given what he's had. Admittedly, it's unrealistic that he would change his worldview in a day and a half. However, I think the scenes that we have and the moments that John Billingley has to shine in this episode work for me so much better than so many other things I can think of. Mm. Um, you know, uh, there's always been a tinge to all the other characters where it's been like, mm, I don't really get that. But this just felt like I, I understood where Flox was coming from um, all the way. Yeah. I but, agree. I think it's yeah, an yeah. Ex- a very good episode. Very good episode. Mm. And I think Billings is really good in it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I think he, he made choices that I believed as a viewer, yes, I, I absolutely. guess. Um, maybe that's because it, it, it was episode 47 for this podcast. And we've got the lucky number, so we got a good episode. That's it. Ah, 47, sir. 47 minutes. I'm receiving a code 47. It is code 47, sir. Code 47. 
Code 47. At least 47 percent. 47. 47 minutes. Bearing 285147. We are at the end of the episode. Um, right. For new listeners, what we do now is we have our ratings. So that's the next part of L cars. So L is for locating the episode, but the rest is all about rating it and then setting up for next week. So cars starts with C and car is for consequences. Your analogy is very colorful, Captain, but I question whether it addresses the consequences Consequences, 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 consequences. The concept of learning from one's mistakes shouldn't be difficult for a Vulcan of your wisdom to understand, Ambassador. I don't wish to contradict Captain Archer, but learning from one's mistakes is hardly exclusive to humans. So, consequences of this episode. Is there anything that happens in this episode that we feel would have a knock-on effect for Starfleet and the history of Star Trek? Not really. Not really. I mean, you know, no, I don't think so. I suppose the only thing maybe that would be something that I would imagine on Denoblia, there would be interest in Phlox as a a sort of person working with the humans, Mm-hmm. So maybe him, his, that sort of record of that event maybe would influence some people, possibly. Yeah. But, you know, that's the only thing I can really think of. And then I'm not really sure that would be a case, the case anyway. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, other than that, it's, nothing really changes, does it? Flocks does say that there are a few Denobulans who are forward thinking like he is and try to teach their kids better, a different message to what their previous generation had told them. Um, so you might might think that maybe this becomes like a, you know, if there's newspapers on Denobulo, if there's media, they might cover it as this, you know, Antaran was saved by a Denobulan. We're bridging yeah. this and they might use this, you know, that the polit- political parties on Denobula who are trying to be pro Antaran yep. are using this as a good example. And then the ones who are anti-Antaran are using it as like, oh, this horrible flux and how dare yeah. he and all this sort of stuff. Um, so it could have a political ramification in that way. However, this is the Star Trek universe. And one, we don't find out whether that was ever the case. And uh, two, I, I would imagine, given that in the Star Trek universe, everything is quite progressive and seems to go in the right way and always ends up uh, good in the end. I kind of feel like, That'd be a bit of political turbulence in Denobian history and 300 years from now, nobody cares about it. You know, by, by the Enterprise D time, yeah, Denobula was fine. It was all right. And Tyron and Denobula are now a, a bi system. You know, they work together. They're actually allies or something like this. So maybe. Uh, maybe they stop earthquakes on Denobula. With, yeah, maybe, uh, yeah. With rock implants. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> God damn. Uh, there's more in my duffel bag. I'm crying out now. Shut up. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I genuinely can't think of a, an impact, even though I love this episode. I yes. cannot think in the world stage, you know, no. Temple Trek is all about seeing it like a historical document. Was this the the, the bridge point for starting something new for Star Trek? There really isn't that much here. No, there's not. 
So uh, after C, we do uh, alterations, expansions. So uh, AE, you know, that weird AE swoosh together. Uh, I still haven't figured out what that's called. I think it's called a lithogram or something like that. Um, but uh, it doesn't actually do anything, apparently. It's a Latin thing, but I'm still trying to work out what it uh, makes. Uh, but uh, alterations, expansions. Is there anything in this episode that we want more of, that we would like to come back to? Or did we said more that we want to change about the episode well my only alteration i think is a very very good episode but it did occur to me that maybe it should have been two separate episodes mm. you know maybe yeah. that that we didn't give enough you know enough time to the two stories i mean maybe the the the, the cave one maybe wouldn't quite make us episode but i think the whole sort of the antaran thing would would make an episode by itself Mm-hmm. So yeah. that would be the only sort of alteration, sort of, you know, would, uh, that I would make. I was wondering, last week we said that actually the Horizon could have done with two episodes in order to expand the family drama. Mm. Could this have been the other operation that the Enterprise was doing? Yeah. They were called away to this planet. It's not far from the Horizon's you know, flight plan. And actually it overlaps with the two things. And the disabled uh, new regime will affect the trade route for the Horizon. So... Travis goes and meets his family. He's taught Trip, and Trip becomes the the cave expert who breaks his leg, or Reed breaks his leg. Please, because they'll <laughs> shut him up. Ah. Um, I, and I don't think so, though. Can you imagine no? him as a patient? Oh God, yeah, It'd be a nightmare, wouldn't he? It's the same leg from Minefield as well. It's like yeah, the cursed, exactly. yeah, the cursed, be his leg, cursed yeah. leg. <laughs> maybe they could yeah say yeah well okay you keep breaking it we'll just cut it off and we'll give you a peg leg and you can be a pirate malcolm is that all right <laughs> we'll give you an eye patch it'll make you actually look cool for a change is that all right <laughs> um but yeah i feel like them being next to each other these episodes could work at the same time um in different ways yep. and you know it would, would maybe be more believable that over a set of weeks the entire and Flux reach some sort of agreement as opposed to 36 hours, which they even call out in the episode. Um, yeah, that's the only expansion I could think of. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I think it sits quite nicely. I think it works. Mm. Mm. I think I mean, as much as I didn't like the cave scenes, because it just, I know what's happening. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. So fast forward. Um, but, it, you know, it does set up that there's this ticking clock in the background. So, yeah, it makes sense. Right. Uh, recommendations. What did you think of the story? From my perspective. That's one way of looking at it. I'm going to recommend it. On the R's uh, for L cars is a two-stage affair. So is it a good episode of Star Trek for Star Trek fans is our first recommendation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. Simple as that. Yeah. It's my favourite episode of Flux. I think it cements the character. It gives him so much more backstory. The, his child, his grandmother, you know, all of these things. There are so many things we could get. I would love an episode. I was speaking, actually, going back a stage to expansions. I would love to get an episode where it was him and his son. Mm, mm. It, it, maybe not reconciling, but at least talking yep. and trying to get past this. Um, I, I feel like that was a big missed opportunity. Yeah. And possibly something we would have got in the future with yeah. more seasons of Enterprise. Um, but having him see Metis, I think, would have been something there. Um, but knowing that that is there, that's a great character moment. I think, yeah, 
recommend it anytime yep. for this episode. Yep. It's also probably the best episode of season two. Yeah. So far. So. Yeah. Definitely. So far. Yeah, I would go that. Yep. Yeah. To non-Star Trek fans, is it a good introduction episode? Is it a first hit? Do you know what? I think maybe it is. Mm-hmm. It's it's internal. It's sort of, you know, you don't really need to know anything. Yeah. I think it, yeah. I mean, it's it's rare for me to say yes, but I think actually, <laughs> I think yes. I think if you were, if you had to introduce someone to an episode of Enterprise, mm-hmm. then I think, yeah, this would be a good one. Yeah. I think if you were to introduce someone to Star Trek, then maybe there's other places you could start. Yeah. But if you had to pick one from like every every series or something like that, this yeah. is definitely one that would be in there, I think, yeah. Because yeah. every, everyone has something to do. It yeah. comes back to that idea of, you know, do you get to know the characters? Archer orders a doctor to do something he doesn't want to do, but because it's a human ship, he does. He stands up to bullies. You got to Pole. She reaches out to Flock. She actually gives him yeah. that moment. She doesn't have a lot to do in this episode, but, yeah, but the one thing she does is actually push Flocks in the right direction and, yeah. and console him in a very emotional way, considering she's a Vulcan. Um, Flocks obviously gets the, the central part of the story. Uh, Malcolm is proved to be the most annoying backseat cave dweller uh, ever. Trip is willing to hogtie a bunch of aliens to get what he wants. And Travis uh, breaks a leg and goes through an adventure, but actually we don't see it. So... Done. Even Hoshi, yeah, even Hoshi, even Hoshi, yeah. who doesn't get much again to do, she gets the the beginning part. She kicks off yeah. the story. Admittedly, probably not her finest hour. She doesn't get a, a lot to do this episode. But if it wasn't for her, she doesn't decipher the communication yep. that we find out about, um, you know, the patrols and everything like that. So she does have a role. Um, admittedly, pushed to the side. But there we go. Yeah, and it's a good story. It's a good standards you know what this story is about yeah it's about confronting your prejudices yeah. and preconceptions so yeah so a yes and a yes that's a very rare one it's and very rare yes very surprising for season two of Enterprise. yeah I, I, i'm shocked actually yeah yeah but there we go is it the upswing are we getting to good stuff oh, uh, we'll find it <sighs> um uh last but not least is s for setup uh yes. so um, we also sell some podcasts, so it's a double S. Uh, so let people know, where can they find you, Dan? They can find me on Twitter, Academic Trek 47 There will be new Academic Treks one day. What I basically need, actually, this is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a request. If anyone would like to run my diary of, <laughs> of podcasting, then it would probably help me to make a podcast because that's the basic problem, is I'm used to organising stuff. And... Um, yeah, so that's why nothing happens because I'm terrible. <laughs> so if anyone you know has the the urge to um, you know to take on that res- responsibility of arranging stuff, and I'll just turn up, which is basically what happens with this podcast, you know, um, then then I'm up for that. Well, there you have it. Uh, if uh, you want to be Dan's assistant, uh, get in touch. Obviously, uh, you can t- tweet us and get in touch there. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have my spreadsheet and that just screams at me. It's like, I have to do this, this by this point. I've got this coming up. I've got the half term coming up. Uh, I need to fit that in. Yeah, there we go. Um, But there we go. 
uh, yeah, uh, with me, obviously, you've got the spin-off podcast for this, which is Nexus Nights, and you've got uh, other podcasts, which I am on, which I've mentioned many times before, and go back to listen to all of those as well. That's the Epsilon 3 and the Cosmic Pizza podcast. Uh, so, uh, setting up for the next week. Next week is Season 3, Episode 48 of the podcast, and Season 2, Episode 22, Cogenitor. 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 Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> We're starting at zero minutes, zero seconds. There is no timey wiminess. It's a tough episode. I've already pre-watched this one Have you? because I, I, I seem to remember watching it. And whilst I like the the debate side yes, of it, you know what definitely. the morality you can pull out of the episode, the delivery of the episode, yep. not the best. And we will come to that when we do. <laughs> we certainly will. Yes, I haven't yeah. watched it for a while, so you know I'm hoping that I'll watch it and actually it'd be better than I remember. <laughs> But yeah, it's a really interesting debate. I think yeah. the debate is going to be really interesting next week. But mm. yeah, the, the episode itself, yeah, I'm not convinced. We'll, see. we'll those, see what we think. This is one of those ones that it kind of feels like as time's gone on and what is going on in the world today affects the way you watch this episode yeah. a lot more. Yeah. So you're watching it 20 years ago and watching it now, very different experience. Yeah. Absolutely. But there we go. Yeah. Uh, so I uh, look forward to that next week, everybody. Yes. <laughs> so uh it's from me thank you so much for listening as always i never expect anyone to listen and uh, i always do my stats weeks at the beginning of the month and find out that way more people are listening to this than i actually thought there ever would be so thank you so much and yeah. we'll see you in the next time stream we certainly will yeah. i hope you've enjoyed the show please remember to like subscribe and review wherever you listen to it if you would like to be a guest in the future or give feedback you can contact me by either searching for the Temple Trick Podcast Facebook page or find me on Twitter at Rider underscore Coattail. Also search the Temple Trek Podcast. You can also find me on Instagram at Daniel underscore Hitch underscore Writer. Scripted elements of the show are a work of pure fan fiction and any views and opinions expressed in the episode discussions are my own or that of the guest. They do not reflect the rights holders of Star Trek. Any Star Trek sound effects or music are used under the terms of fair use and are not my own work. The intro music, Birthright by Audio Binger, is royalty-free from the Free Music Archive. Check out their work and others at freemusicarchive.com. The Temple Trek is a free podcast with no Patreon or sponsorship. However, if you would like to support the show, you can find my books by searching Daniel Peter Hitch on Amazon. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you in the next time stream. <laughs>